Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theater Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Upoff-Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theater Company. And this is Theater Forward, a monthly conversation about theater from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 104 of Theater Forward. Fantastic. Happy <laughs> holidays, everybody. Yes. <laughs> this month, we are going to reflect back on some of our theatrical highlights of 2023. And it seems only fitting that we should kick off with something that I am confident is on all of our lists. And that's World Premiere Wisconsin, which happened it happened in 2023. And, I mean, and, and so many things to be proud about, grateful for when it comes to that. Um, I will uh, say one of the things that I was most moved by, aside from the high levels of participation and the enthusiasm, the audience turnout, all of that, um, I was really moved at our kickoff event that was hosted by 10 Chimneys to celebrate the beginning of the festival. And at that event, there were representatives from professional companies, colleges, high schools, community theaters, it, from all over the state. And to see all of those folks together, mingling and physically, visually representing all the different aspects of this ecosystem of theater in our state was, I, I just, I, I, I practically floated back home to Madison, it was so inspiring. So when I think about this inaugural festival, that is always gonna be one of the highlights for me. And I think it it um, it started positively at 10 Chimneys with this, this collaborative, we're all in this together, let's all do this, let's all participate. And, and what was most gratifying to me is that the, um, the celebratory conclusion of it at Northern Sky had that same feel that okay. we did it like, yay, we're going to do this. And, blah, 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 and it fell apart. It got better. And there were more people involved. And, and this collaborative um, feeling and this, um, the, um, the, everybody putting together a world premiere of a play, of a reading, of a whatever they wanted to do, um, was just incredible. And we had, what, almost 50 yeah. participants? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I'm I'm grateful for all of that and, and so much more as we all are, I think. But the thing that's gonna always stand out for me is the scores, literally, of artistic directors, playwrights, and actors that spent time with me on the phone talking about what they were trying to do so I could write about the festival as the festival correspondent and being able to have those conversations and listen to those aspirations and dreams for what WPW could be, but also for what they wanted to do for these playwrights at the Playwrights Retreat in the middle at 10 Chimneys to, to feel seen. Um, and, and to be able to drive around this amazing, beautiful state. I mean, I've lived here for 30 years and I had no idea how beautiful Wisconsin is. Honestly, I feel like John Steinbeck and travels with Charlie sort of like, <laughs> Oh, Wisconsin, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> it was just, it was, a uh, it supercharged my already great love for theater in this state. I gave it a, a really wonderful, uh, 
boost. I mean, I see a lot of theater in a lot of different places, and it's it's it was just a reaffirmation for me of why this is home and why I love it as much as I do. So I was grateful for all that and for all those people. And and for for listeners who may not have seen um, the announcement that we made uh, last month, uh, World from Wisconsin will be back in 2026 as a year long festival on a three year you know cycle. Um, so there'll be much more to discuss on this podcast, I'm sure, uh, as we continue World from Wisconsin into the future. But um, getting getting this inaugural one uh, out of theory and into reality this year was a was an absolute uh, dream and a highlight. Um, so let's let's now go beyond that and think about other things that were highlights for us. Mike, do you want to kick us off? Well, I'll start with uh, sort of a segue, just sticking with Wisconsin. Um, you know, some of my favorite, uh, and I emphasize favorite, not best, because this is a subjective process and we all approach this differently, but some of the productions that really stuck with me in Wisconsin or moments in production, mm-hmm. um, watching Sarah Day as the stage manager in what Sarah herself, who's been at APT forever, describes as the windiest night in her entire tenure with <laughs> APT. It was unbelievable. And it was perfect in a way for capturing the ephemerality of of, of life and and our experiences, which that play is all about. And Sarah, in a, in a, in a role which I think is really hard to get the, the temperature of the porridge just right. You can over-egg it and be you know completely maudlin, or you can stand back too much. And Sarah just hit that sweet spot and was the wonderful, amazing actor we always know she is. Watching Proof, also at APT, with an all-star cast of, of David Daniel and Nate Berger and Laura Rook um, and Kelsey Brennan. It's a beautiful play, and they absolutely hit it out of the out of the park. Um, and then Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, another amazing quartet at Milwaukee Chamber Theater um, with Jim Ridge, Laura Gordon, associate uh, or art, artistic associate with Floorwood Theater. Um, Casey Hoekstra, who's also tearing it up right now for those listening to this podcast in uh, Mousetrap in, in Milwaukee uh, at Next Act. Uh, and a new actress for me, uh, Kate Roman, who I did not know uh, playing Honey in that part. I've seen many, many productions. In fact, I had just seen another production of Who's Afraid months before this one that won a Jeff Award in Chicago for Best Production in Chicago by a non-equity theater. This thing hit it out. And I also saw the one that, that had three Tony nominations. Um, that included uh, Casey Letts and the takeoff in the career for Carrie Coon. This thing hit it out of the park. I mean, it, it, it taught me things about this play. And in particular, Laura Gordon taught me things about uh, Martha as a character that I just had never seen um, before. And that's always a gratifying moment, particularly when it's delivered by a great actor uh, in a really, really great and dauntingly difficult play. That one will stick with me forever. I will say um, that was also on my list, Mike. So I'm going to go with a more general. And that is, we just produced, Forward Theater just produced Clyde's by Lynn Nottage. It was our highest selling, highest attended show, um, three-week show um, in Forward Theater's history. This is not um, a unicorn right now. We are hearing from our friends in Milwaukee that they are having record sales. Jen, you just went to Next Act for a reading that was sold out. I think, and I'm knocking on all the wood right now, people are coming back. If we're giving them the things they want to see, they're there, they're there to buy tickets. 
And as we know, you know, we're we're several years out of this pandemic where everyone lost subscribers and single ticket buyers weren't weren't coming back yet. And I think we might have turned a corner. And for that, I am really grateful. You're here. You're here. Mike, it's so um uh, fitting that you brought up Sarah Day playing the stage manager in our town at APT. That was certainly one of the highlights of my year, um, not just for Sarah's beautiful production performance, which was spot on, um, but because I just, I adore that play. I've, I've worked on it and seen it many, many times in, in my life. Um, I'm, I'm always deeply moved by it. Um, you know, it, it becomes, it can become a cliche, but most cliches are rooted in such deep truths about the human experience. So when you see a truly wonderful production, that feeling of cliche disappears and it becomes just about truth. And this production accomplished that for me. Um, I will never forget Jim DeVita's performance as Simon Stinson. In oh that. my God. It was yes. uh, gorgeous. And again, to see it outdoors, to see it in that environment was, um, was magical. Um, I, I had a couple of other uh, APT highlights this season. And, and for me, seeing the stalwart members of the core company um, go to town in Anton's shorts, uh, you know, uh, written by our friend of forward, Aaron Posner, and directed by, um, you know, intimate, you know, member of the forward theater family, uh, Jake Penner, was a treat. And the flip side of that, to see their production of The Liar that featured sort of this next generation of stellar, stellar performers um, uh, at APT who also have all been working it forward. Um, you know, the Jamal Jameses and Dan Molinas and Josh Krause's and um, Samantha Newcomb's and Phoebe Gonzalez's that are just um, these incredible up and comers. Uh, in in our field, uh, and to see them strut their stuff in in the comic, uh, the liar was was a treat, and so sort of different sides of the same coin uh, of of just a celebration of actors out there, and 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 I really um, I enjoyed all of it. Co-signed everything you just said, Jen. It's just 100% right. Um, you know, moving on. This is I'll start this this next clump for me with another to me absolute landmark moment in the history of Wisconsin theater, and one of which I am intensely proud. But this is my category of plays that I thought were super brave in this year. We're hearing a lot, and I'm not saying it's 100% wrong about how people just want to laugh right now. And I don't I don't think that's that's wrong, but I also think people do still want, as evidenced by something like the Virginia Wolf at Milwaukee Chamber, they want serious, good uh, drama. And there were a number of plays that stood out for me uh, this year re regarding that. I mean, quickly in Chicago, um, that the, the production of Fenn by Carol Churchill, which never gets done by Court Theater, which was gorgeous. Um, a production of Fairview, which is a very, very hard play to do by Jackie Sibley's jury, uh, by definition, uh, uh, theater um, in Chicago. And then also Tambo of Bones, a Dave Harris play um, by Refractive Theater in Chicago. Those were all really big moments for me. But in Wisconsin, to bring it closer to home, uh, there's two. The first in Madison, Who's Your Bag Daddy, produced by Music Theater of Madison, um, which is a, a suddenly very timely play about how in the hysteria that takes place during moments when a country is attacked, 
um, you can you can maybe lose a little bit of perspective um, in terms of in terms of what you're seeing and what you're missing, and and end up at, in this case going to war against Iraq. Um, that was what that play was about. And then the moment that I started this segment with that I want to come back to, Renaissance Theater Works still holds the record as the only Midwestern theater that has produced Martina Mayo's um, Cost of Living. It's a very very difficult play to stage because you need two. Uh, dis uh, differently abled actors um, who, you know, one of whom needs to be and two of whom need to be in a, in a wheelchair. And it, she's very specific in her stage directions and in her casting list, uh, Mayokas, that this has to be part of the production. Renaissance, with the help of a theater company in Denver and also with Pink Umbrella Theater in Milwaukee, made this happen. It was a beautiful production. Uh, you know, I talked to somebody in Chicago recently who saw Sanctuary City, also by My Oak there, and said, gosh, what about cost of living? It's a Pulitzer winner. I can't find any evidence that it has been done in Chicago. Yeah, it hasn't been done in Chicago. It was done right here in Wisconsin by a very, very brave, wonderful company that Julie was associated with for many years, which continues to sort of take chances on things that other companies won't. Uh, and is rewarded rightly for the quality of the work that comes out of the chances that they take. I can think of others. There's Suzanne Laurie Park's Top Dog Underdog um, was one, you know, a play they did on Emmett Till, uh, the Ballad of Emmett Till. They, they, they're willing to go places other companies don't go. And, and I am so grateful that they're part of the landscape here in Wisconsin theater. Julie. Yeah, I, I am, I'm not going with production, but it is something I'm very grateful for. And that is that the writers strike was um, <laughs> uh, was resolved. Um, I think that uh, what's interesting, and we, we've known this for a long time, but I think that the the crossover, the Venn diagram of people who work in theater and people who work in TV um, is uh, is um, a close close collaboration. And so uh, some of the things that the um, the union, the SAG, uh, was was fighting for with um, AI and being replaced by bots and and residuals for um, streaming um, are things that I think the Actors Equity Association Union will have to also um, uh, also look into. And and it might it, I I won't say trickle down. That's a terrible expression, and we know that that doesn't work. But it might actually uh, be a conversation. They have started a conversation that needs to continue. And I, for one, am very happy to see that um, some of my favorite shows are being quickly written, quickly uh, filmed, and uh, I'll see them soon. Jen, one of the um, yeah, one of the performances I was really. Uh, thrilled to see happen um, here in Madison during 2023 um, was actually at my daughter's high school. Um, and, and the reason that I was so happy to see it is they did the musical, The Prom. And we are surrounded right now by stories of high school theaters being afraid of having the material they choose to produce for, for and with their students be challenged by the same kind of censorship um, and book banning and narrow-minded um, restrictions that are, are plaguing uh, our country at, at, at every level. Um, and we all know the transformative power of theater and the, the cathartic 
joy that comes from seeing yourself reflected on stage. Um, and I was so proud of my, of my daughter's school, Madison West High School, for doing that play, for not being afraid of doing that play about young queer high school students. Um, I enjoyed seeing it because my daughter was in the ensemble. Um, but what moved me the most, what I will remember the most about it, is um, seeing uh, the two um, the two young people sitting right behind myself and my husband, who were clutching each other's hands and just happily sobbing throughout the play. And that's what it's about. And um, that that is a highlight of my year for sure. Wow. Well, I, I'm kind of left a little bit speechless by by that one, especially since that particular play in in uh, in stories that have gotten a lot of prominence in New York Times uh, recently, you know, has been, has gone through exactly that kind of banning around the country this year. So, uh, yet another reason to be grateful we're here um, and in a place and in a, a community and a school that's willing to do that. Um, shifting gears a little bit, but I'll try and segue uh, is in terms of what it means to be a community and how that works. I try every year to pick one theater company to shout out of the many, many that I could. Obviously all of this for me excludes forward. That's, that would be kind of, you know, mm -hmm. that would be fair. Um, is Shattered Globe Theater in Chicago, which produced two productions this year, which are both meditations on community. One of them was a U.S. premiere, a very, very brave decision for them to do. This is one of the smallest equity companies in Chicago. Uh, everything for them is a financial risk. And they produced a play called London Road, which you may know as a film, um, which is about five sex workers in Ipswich, uh, north of London, who were murdered. It's a true story. And it's about how the community deals with that. It's a sort of uh, it's partly spoken, partly sung, semi-musical. It is classified as a musical. Um, and it's about the way communities are not always as brave and honest as they should be in addressing um, things like that, that that happen. And, and how as, as has happened with the prom in different places in the United States, a community can go wrong. And the other one that Shattered Globe did, which is still living with me, it's, I mean, it, this one's a classic, is A View from the Bridge. Mm. They did an out, it's the first production I've seen in a few years since the Van Hove production uh, and the APT production, which I saw in the same year. And it just reminds me again of what, I think we're sort of discovering anew um, in the last 10 or 15 years, which is Arthur Miller, who had a sort of down and out period say 20 or 25 years ago, is back with a vengeance and rightly so for all the ways in which he speaks to what it means to be a community, what it means to be an American and how we individually and collectively fall short of being our best selves because we're afraid uh, or because the roiling passions that we have within us are things that we can't figure out how to channel um, and deal with in a way that is respecting of all the people in our lives. Uh, so that one sticks with me too. And, and kudos to this company for doing both of these shows and doing them so well. Well, you know, one of the, uh, the other highlights for me of the year, even though um, it was uh, an attempt that did not bear fruit, um, is that earlier in this calendar year, um, the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, in putting together his budget proposal, um, that included both the operating budget for the state, but also some proposed plans to use some of um, the surplus funds that um, the state has as a result of, you know, COVID era pandemic funding, et cetera. He proposed creating a $100 million endowment that would 
help support funding for the arts in our state. Now, it was almost immediately torpedoed by the Republican legislature. Boo. Um, but but it, it would have been a transformative thing for our state, which we have many times discussed um, on this podcast. We, we uh, you know, fluctuate between being 50th in the nation for arts per capita funding and, ooh, 49th. Um, that amount of money that would come from a $100 million endowment that we're just talking about the payout on the, you know, the earnings year over year from that endowment would be a vast multiple of what the Wisconsin Arts Board currently has to contribute in funding to arts groups of all shapes and sizes all over our state. So I'm great. It was a highlight of the year that it was proposed in the first place because it's making it part of a conversation. Will we see something like that come to fruition in the next few years? Maybe if we can, you know, correct the gerrymandering in our state, maybe, maybe, but, but the mere existence of the, um, of the proposal, I feel like is a step and an important step and one that made me feel seen in the governor's mansion that, um, and it's perhaps something that can be built on. So even, even though uh, we're still fighting for scraps uh, when it comes to financing in our state, uh, I appreciated the proposed abundance that, that, um, that maybe can remain as a goal on the horizon. Well, and you know, in terms of the, the glass half full, which is, I think, the approach you're taking here, Jen, and Julie, here I'm gonna push back a little bit on something you said earlier. I actually think Wisconsin is a standout uh, in terms of where theater is right now nationally. I'd love to think that it's happening in other places, but I think when you look at successes like, you know, where Forward or APT or the Milwaukee Rep are just in terms of numbers, of course, everything's not perfect, blah, 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 but so much better than what you're seeing both nationally and where each of these three companies was a few years ago. When you see something like Northern Sky or Milwaukee Rep basically having um, right where they're supposed to be um, with a very ambitious capital funding, um, programs in an era where you're hearing about philanthropy being down, even just this morning as we're recording on December 6th, the New York Times talked about uh, in another story about how philanthropy giving to theaters is off and about how numbers are down all over the country. Um, when you get the kind of positive press, I mean, the Milwaukee Rep was just called out last week in the Wall Street Journal as being an exception to what this, these trends that I'm talking about that you're seeing elsewhere. And then when you see things like, um, and Julia, you did reference this, how well something like Clyde's did. Um, when I went to the performance of Mousetrap uh, a week ago at a Wednesday matinee, it's the most full I've seen Next Act Theater space in years. And Cody Essel, the amazing, wonderful artistic director of that company, told me it will be the number one uh, seller in the entire history of Next Act. So a little bit like what's going on with Clyde's with Forward. Those are all incredibly positive signs in their own right that they're happening in a state that is 49th or 50th, take your pick, take your year, in per capita funding for the arts. And in a year where we did world premiere Wisconsin, it's simply nothing short of miraculous. To me, this is one of not just the best feel-good stories, but the best and most important stories in American theater in 2023, full stop. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. There's a conversation of, or or an internal conversation of, why is it that uh, Wisconsin is doing all right? And I do think, I'd like to think um, that uh, there's a lot of factors 
and world premiere Wisconsin is one. Well, it, it makes me think of something else that's on on my list um, that I'm uh, that that's been a highlight for the year, and I, I believe I've mentioned this in the past. Um, Theater Communications Group uh, has been facilitating Zoom meetings amongst both artistic directors and managing directors um, across the country for the last few years. Um, for the last year or two, I've had the privilege of um, chairing the meeting for artistic directors of budget group three and four theaters. So uh, for lay people, that's companies with an annual operating budget between $1 million and $5 million uh, a year. Um, and these meetings are every other week and they're an hour and they're on Zoom. And I get to talk to artistic directors from around the country. And it's unbelievably valuable. I'm grateful to TCG for continuing to facilitate these. I'm grateful to all of my colleagues around the country who show up to these meetings. And it's a slightly different group every, every time, but depending on other people's schedules, I have to miss some when I'm in rehearsals. Um, but the chance to talk about the things that are going right, the things that we're struggling with, um, you know, the different ways in which we are each serving our communities or being challenged by our communities is um, it's restorative. It's something that didn't really happen five years ago. Um, and it's a wonderful way to keep, to reinforce my, what would have been my gut instinct anyway, which is how different all of our circumstances are, despite how much we have in common. And it helps me resist, um, being vulnerable. There's, there's all sorts of think pieces, especially because the American theater big picture is seen as being in real trouble right now. And I think for a lot of good reasons, um, and as a result, over this last year, there have been a lot of big think pieces in national publications about the way to fix what's going on in American theater, the thing that needs to happen. And of course, that's nonsense, because all these different companies are very different, and they are serving communities that are very different. And being on these calls is a great way to reinforce that for me and to provide um, you know, different, different perspectives on things that we can try here. And I know that some of my colleagues have happily um, taken some of the things I've mentioned to try in their own communities. I have definitely stolen happily ideas from, from my other colleagues, stolen with permission, borrowed, what have you, imitation, zero form of flattery. Um, but it's, it's, it's an incredible resource sharing and a reminder of um, both the ways in which we are all unique and the ways in which we are the same. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking of sharing and borrowing, stealing, and and doing whatever in every way you can, that was something I was always proud to do as a critic. I think every good critic recognizes their debts to others. Something else I've done on this podcast every year is to shout out, uh, you know, a critic or two that I really think are making a difference. And unfortunately, here I sound a little bit like a broken record, but that's because Sarah Holdren came back uh, from a, a stint as an independent director. Uh, to Vulture slash New York Magazine, which is where she was when she left. Helen Shaw took that position and then moved over to New Yorker Magazine. And the two of them, to my mind, for my money, um, and this is with all due respect to a number of amazing critics who continue to do uh, great work around the country, these two are just hitting it out of the park 
on a regular basis. I mean, it's worth having a subscription to either New York Magazine or The New Yorker. Forget about all the other good things in both. Just to read these two incredibly smart women um, talking uh, in, in ways that just don't line up with everybody else and are just so reflective and innovative. And also, and this is something I've really thought about a lot through World Premier Wisconsin in particular, sort of understand that a critic's role, not just because we're coming out of a pandemic, but in general, should be less about a thumbs up or thumbs down um, kind of thing, and more about sort of really trying to reflect on what it is that they're seeing and open up space for greater conversation. Good theater writing, good theater conversation, and I'm not always good at practicing what I'm about to preach, is about making room for people to think differently than you do, to challenge them to think about things they may not have thought about before, um, and to just sort of embrace what theater should always be embracing, which is that this is a big collaborative place where there's a lot of love that's possible, and where there's more love and more conversation is possible insofar as the way in which you write and talk about it creates space for other voices besides your own. And the two of them are exemplars um, in how to do that, and they're so super smart. Hmm. Um, anyway, so I can't, I can't possibly plug them enough. You can get behind a firewall to read a little bit of each. So if, 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 the, if the dollars aren't there to get a subscription, that would be the way to at least get a taste for what the two of them can do. Love it. I love it, Mike. Um, if I, I was thinking about the things we did at Forward this year, um, you know, not wanting to spend a lot of time thinking about everything I'm, you know, that was a highlight for me in Forward's own programming, obviously World Premier Wisconsin and Artemisia. But um, if I was going to pick just one night, one event um, that, that was a highlight for me, um, it would be uh, the partnership that we did around this production of Clyde's. Um, we worked with um, the American Family Institute for Corporate and Social Responsibility to do a private performance of Clyde's um, to which they invited um, uh, social service organizations um, and nonprofits in our community who are supporting the formerly incarcerated population here, as well as members of the formerly incarcerated population here in Madison, to do a private performance of the show and then a talk back afterwards. Um, it was such a hot house. It was such a responsive house. Um, there was so much joy in the house for that performance, for what those actors were doing, for what those characters were experiencing. Um, the talk back was amazing. Um, and, and, you know, every few years we're able to do something like that here at Forward. You know, we did a performance of Fun Home for members of high school and middle school GSA clubs. We did a, um, a performance of the play um, Exit Strategy about workers in the Chicago school for members of the Madison Metropolitan School District. Um, you know, when we do those private performances for folks for whom a particular play might be especially cathartic, it just feels like such a gift and a privilege to witness when those happen. So that, that was a big highlight for me this year. Well, and, and a reminder that, that theater is just so much more than, um, than, than just what happens on stage or in a stage. We are all about, and I think you're hearing a thread through all of these comments, whether it's about World Premier Wisconsin um, or Jen's discussion of the prom, um, it's, about, it's about our relationship with a community and trying to make that um, community uh, better and, 
and, and stronger. Um, I'm going to go north of the border for a moment, just because I, you know, I, I went to, as I do almost every year, both the Shaw and the Stratford Festival. So I won't bore you with a list of all the wonderful things I saw in each place, but I do want to give a shout out to one play in each. And the Shaw is the place where I was most surprised because it was a show I did not even know existed. Frankly, most of the world didn't either until a few years ago. It's an Edith Wharton play, which was rediscovered in 2016 called The Shadow of a Doubt, which is a mystery involving a nurse who married into a very wealthy family. Um, and, and the talk about intersectionality, particularly in terms of gender and class, which Wharton was very, very good with in her novels. And it comes through loudly and clearly in this play. If it wasn't so big, I would have rushed it into uh, the hands of, of Jen and the literary committee at Forward ages ago, because I just think it's so much, it's both fun and also just really thrilling. Um, and then talk about thrilling. Um, you know, I saw the Joffrey Ballet Frankenstein in Chicago a few months ago, and that was great. But nothing compares to the theatrical um, by Morris Panitch adaptation of Frankenstein called Frankenstein Revived, which I saw at Stratford, which was like a ballet. There was no spoken dialogue in the whole thing. You watch some incredibly gifted uh, longtime members of the Stratford company, along with some dancers, reenact this story. Uh, and in a year where we're dealing with AI, um, and, and what it is doing to our ability to, re, to, to remain human um, and, and what happens with these things we create and how they can come back to haunt us. Wow, was it, uh, did it pack a punch? Um, it was a really special night in the theater for me. Love that, I love that. Well, we, we're probably gonna start to, to wrap the conversation up. Maybe each have one more, one more go round of- we'll Go all day if we don't. So. I know, I know exactly. <laughs> so I just wanna, for, for my last um, uh, plug, I just wanna talk about a book and a, and a film that I saw that were so much about theater um, and that, that completely delighted and entranced me. The book was Ann Patchett's Tom Lake, um, which is, it is everything. <laughs> it's our town. It's Chekhov. I actually read it while I was on vacation in Door County, surrounded by cherry trees. And the thing is set in a cherry orchard. It's about parenting during the pandemic. You do not need to be a theater person to be rapturously transported by this book. It's been on the top 10 bestsellers list for months. Clearly, those are not all theater people reading it. But I, I just absorbed that book into my marrow as I read it. Um, it. It could not have been more gorgeous or more exactly what I needed. So um, that was that was a complete and utter delight. And then um, also delightful in a slightly different tone was the, um, the mockumentary theater camp, uh, which I believe streams on Hulu after a theatrical release. Uh, I've seen it twice now. It is um, in the in the 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 very best style of a waiting for Guffman uh, type uh, film. Oh my God! I just uh, it it was so funny. It was so funny and so true. I have a feeling that will become something I regularly rewatch. If you uh, want to just cackle with delight, check it out. I, I can go with the with the with the books theme too. I mean, you know, first of all, Ann Patchett is just like the saint of American letters, right? I mean, is there anything else to say? Like every single book she comes out with, and on very very different um, uh, settings, although there's thematic resonance between between a lot of them. She just she's just amazing. Uh, mine are not as fun as Tom Lake is, but they're both really good. Uh, we finally this year finally. 
uh, got uh, an, a, a biography, the first real biography of August Wilson, um, which was not only based on interviews of, of with him, but lots of interviews with other people. It's Patty Hartigan that, that wrote it. It's a, it's a doorstopper, but it's worth it uh, in terms of telling you and teaching you new, <clears throat> new things about uh, one of the greatest American playwrights. And then also uh, Broadway Bodies. Um, it's a critique and a history of nonconformity on Broadway. And it goes through, it's by Ryan Donovan, who used to be a, a dancer, um, and talks about things like Chorus Line and Lacage and Dream Girls. Those are three that, that, that stand out. Um, and, and, and how Broadway's idea of what the body should be has limited um, in ways our country has our understanding of, of so many things and, and the possibilities both on stage and in our lives um, for thinking about bodies differently and in less narrowly restrictive ways than we're typically, um, than we're typically doing. So I, I thought that was a real, uh, I think that's Oxford University Press if I remember right, but that one's also a really, really good, good book. Ooh, more things for my reading list. I love it. All right, Julie, why don't, why don't you close this off here? <laughs> uh yeah, I, um, you know, I think we're doing highlights, but also thankful for, and I think we spend, we spend, I started this with thank you audiences for coming back, but that's a good 50% of all that um, it takes to produce theater. And so it's also those people that give extra donations, those corporations that support what we do. and. Um, and I'm I'm a little in the weeds on this right now, so it's top of mind. Um, I think the sets, for instance, that we had in 2023 at Forward Theater and what I'm seeing all over um, is because of the designers, is because of the builders, is because of the technical directors. And I don't think they get enough of a shout out and they are invaluable. We wouldn't be able to talk about anything we're talking about right now without those people. And boy, we've got some extraordinary humans uh, doing that work here in Wisconsin. Well, and 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 since we're th this feels like the right time to say this, I know I'm cheating. We're supposed to be done. Oh, but a, a special <laughs> shout out to Sarah Ross, who is leaving. Um, the profession, but whose designs for, for Forward, and also she did a fantastic design this year for Peninsula Players. Um, so special, so wonderful. She is going to really be missed. It just, just uh, has taught me so much about so many productions that, that I have seen. And I'm really, really sad that, that, uh, that she's not going to be designing uh, sets in the, in the future. Please come back. <laughs> well, um, I, I, same, same on the sadness, but, but let's, let's end on the the, the the gratitude note that you so beautifully articulated, yes. Julie. This it takes it truly takes a village, a city, a community, a nation to create theater. And there are a lot of spectacular folks doing it, both the ones we know personally and the ones whose work we just admire from afar. And um and we're grateful for all of them. And I think on that note, we'll say that that is all for this episode of Theater Forward, which is a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. I'm Jenna Poff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. 
So, and, and I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by the mutton chopped Scott Hayden, getting ready to uh, make his uh, go back on the stage in Christmas Carol. I can hardly wait to see it. Um, and you can follow us and share your thoughts um, on Facebook at Theater Forward. As always, theater spelled with an E R. Aren't we grateful that we end another year where that remains the case? <laughs> And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. And of the things we are grateful for, we will add that we are so grateful to have you listening. And we'll be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation. See you next year.